good now, I think. Praise the Lord. So we're going to dismiss our children to Kids Dome. If you are a child, you are dismissed. If you would open your Bibles to the Gospel of John chapter 10. Praise the name of Jesus. The Gospel of John chapter 10 will begin reading in verse 1. When you got it, say so. The word of the Lord says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters, the door, enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door, and if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Lord God, we thank you for your word that is truth. We thank you for your grace. We thank you, Lord God, for being with us as we have worshiped your name. We thank you for your presence that is here now, God. And we thank you for the reminder of the love that we have found, Lord God. We thank you for the reminder of how great your love is toward us. And Lord, we just pray this morning that you would give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying to the church, my God. I pray that you would not just let us hear what you're communicating to us, but God, that you would give us the faith to respond in obedience, Lord, and that you would be glorified in us, Lord God. I pray that we would not be hearers of your word alone, but that we would be doers of it. I pray this all in Jesus' good name. Someone said... You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. If you do not have an outline, please raise your hand and the ushers will bring you one. Just got to keep your hand up for a moment. Keep the hands up here. Um, make sure you get an outline. There's a couple of things that are going on. Um, first of all, the reason why we give these outlines out every week, I tell you the same thing. It's because I want to make sure that you are able to follow along as I go through the sermon. There's questions in there for you to answer, and we're able to, you know, do that together. And then also, it's a privilege and opportunity for you to be able to hopefully utilize these outlines as reflections through the week. And as in a couple of weeks here, we're going to be entering back into our Connect Life groups. Is anybody excited about that? Connect Life, right? Um, we're going to be meeting again, you know, weekly, and this will be part of what we discuss. We're going we're to add some stuff to our discussion time, but nonetheless, the point is, I want to make sure that you are equipped and that you are able to, you know, follow along. It's good to write stuff down, you know, and if you have questions for any, or for me, if you don't understand something that I'm preaching, please write that down, and then, you know, you shoot me an email, give me a call, send me a text, something like that, and I'll be more than happy to help you out, and um, let me say this on this Labor Day weekend, thank you for being spiritual, amen, amen, glory to God. Just kidding. I mean, we're, we're spiritual, right? Some people are away. They're spiritually resting, glory to God, um, or vacationing or whatever the case is. And I appreciate that. And um, just know that if you're not here on one of those weekends, I'm going to say the same thing about you. You're very unholy. I'm just kidding. Um, but I do appreciate you being here, right? Because, you know, we do, we do want to be able to worship and glorify God together. And I understand, you know, vacations, three-day weekends, glory to God. And I don't expect everyone to be here every single time we have one of those. But I appreciate you for being here today. And so can we just give you a hand today? Come on, give yourselves a hand for being here, um, worshiping Jesus. We honor, we honor God for that. Um, second thing is I have a really important announcement, very, very important. Do we have any men in the house? Can I get a hoo-hoo? All right, we got a few men. And so this is very, very important. I sent out an email. I believe I sent out a text message, but I'm not sure if you got it. But here's the deal. Next Saturday, say next Saturday. 
Next Saturday, we haven't gotten together this whole year, guys. I mean, we got, I think we got together one time, and it wasn't all the guys. It was just some of the leaders. And so next Saturday, which is the 12th, we are going to be getting together for our, a Men of Integrity um, gathering. It's going to be a great time. We're going to have some games. We're going to have some food. It's going to be at Brother Rob Guzman's house. Can we give God a hand for Brother Rob? And, um, Minister Rob, I'm sorry, and him opening his doors, you know, to serve us. And so we're going to go over there. There's going to be some dominoes. I know some of you guys like dominoes, right? Some of you guys like to play pool. Um, you know, it would be a time to just hang out. You don't have to play any of those games. He has a pool if you want to bring a bathing suit or whatever the case is and a towel. Amen, somebody. Um, and like I said, there will be food, and food costs money. So here's the thing. We're going to ask that the guys um, pitch in like five bucks a piece, okay? I'm not going to call it a cover charge because if you can't give me the five bucks, I still want you to come. Amen. I'm just saying, but um, if you can help out, you know, with the food to make sure that we do have enough food for everyone, then we ask you to bring that. Now, here's what I need, okay? Um, first of all, all the guys, raise your hand really quickly, not yet. If you received the email, raise your hand if you, if you, if you received it, right? You got it? Okay, so now put those hands down. If you didn't receive an email, put, raise up your hand real quick, just real quick so I know you didn't receive an email. Okay, so if you didn't receive that email, then that means all the guys, all right, that you just raise your hand. You need to see me after church to make sure I have your email address because that is probably the issue, okay? I want to make sure that you get that. I want to make sure that you connect. Very important for us. Men are important. Can someone say amen to that? And we want to build the men of the church, and the only way that we can do that is if we are together. And so we want to make sure that we do get together. I'm going to be sharing with you my heart. I'm going to be um, introducing someone to you that's special, that's going to be leading the men, and so it's going to be a special, powerful time together. And so I encourage every man, ladies, 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 if your husband's sitting next to you, nudge him. If he's over by, just push him. Be like, he's going, all right? Motivate him to go. Amen. Can I get a hand for that? Motivate him to go. Make sure he's there. I want to encourage the husbands to be there, all right? And if you're a single guy, and listen, this is for all men, so you can be a young man, you can be an older man. We want all the men to come together, okay? So for all of my college, college brothers, y'all are invited to come out. We want to see you there. We encourage you to be there, because at some point, you're going to be leading families, and my prayer is that we would do our job to build you up, so that way when you start leading a family, you don't, you already have have most of the questions, not all of them. You won't have all. You have most of the questions answered, amen, because there are going to be some questions you're going to have to answer then, but we want to equip you now, amen? All right, so let's get into this sermon here. Um, today, we're, we're continuing on in the real, real, the real Jesus series, and so we are in chapter 10. Obviously, we're almost halfway through the Gospel of John, and so we will finish up the year um, going through, and we'll, we'll end on, on the last chapter of the Gospel of John, and so in these chapters, a lot of them we're going to cover a lot of ground. So like today, we're going to go through all of chapter 10. Next week, we'll go through all of chapter 11, and you'll see why. So we got a lot of ground to cover. So what we want to do, though, is we want to make sure that we're hearing what God is saying and that we're looking at, you know, uh, what the Bible says about the real Jesus. And so if you look at your outline here, Jesus continues the dialogue with the same people from chapter 9. And so in chapter 9, um, Jesus is addressing the spiritual blindness of the Pharisees, which is representing the spiritual blindness of all who are self-righteous. And so anyone who is self-righteous is spiritually blind. In other words, you know, when someone feels like they have their own righteousness, like they don't need the righteousness from God, they're, they're spiritually blind. The reality is that in our day that we live in, it's, we, we live in a society and we live in a culture where we are what, we, what I would call post-Christian. And so what happens is there was a time, and I've said this before, there was a time that being a Christian had some social clout to it. Today, being a Christian, not so much. Are you here? It's, it's, it's not like, you know, you don't need to be a Christian for people to think that you're a good person. Are you getting this? And what happened was back in the days, and for those of you that, you know, um, are a little older than I am, you probably remember when it was a big deal, you know, for someone to be a real Christian. Like, you know, someone, if you, you went, everybody went to church on Sunday, like that was a thing that people did. And it mattered, right? Because if, if you didn't go to church, then you were a heathen, right? If you didn't go to church, you know, you, you had problems. Nowadays, we have a different we, had a, we have a cultural shift where people don't measure your goodness based upon your Christianity. Let me just say this. We are all sinners saved by grace if we believe in Jesus. Are you here? And so none of us is better than the other. And so that was just a social thing. Now today we live in a day where people, they just want to be good people. They no longer have to go to church because realistically, let me say this. You do not have to go to church in order for you to, good, for you to do good stuff. Are you here? 
You don't have to go to church in order to give to, you know, things that are good. You don't have to go to church in order to participate and volunteer in stuff that makes you feel good about yourself because you gave back, right? You don't have to do that. And so we live in a day and age where people are, you know, man, we don't need the church, right? We don't need to be Christian in order to be good. And listen, the bottom line is, that the truth is that there is only one that is good, and that is God. Are you here? He's the only one that's really good. And so, again, we live in this day, and, and people think, right, you have conversation. I mean, you, I hope that you're having conversations with people and that you're hearing the same stuff that I hear when I have conversations with people. Because when I have conversation with folks and I ask them about their spiritual, you know, journey and things like that, like, where are you at in your spiritual journey? And, you know, most people are like, well, you know, I'm, you know I, I, I might have been raised in church because, you know, my parents brought me to church. But, you know, I really just believe in being a good person. It's beautiful, you know, you can use the way the master tactic on them, but okay, well, let's measure that. Let's see if you're really a good person, right? And be like, well, have you ever told a lie? Yeah, okay, I, uh, all right. So have you ever looked at someone with lust in your heart? Yeah, everybody has, you know, okay. And, and I mean, have you ever, you know, and you go through these questions and then all of a sudden it's like, okay, so by your own admission, you're a liar and you're all of these other things and you call yourself a good person. By what standards are we measuring good? Because I did something good? Because I did something that made me feel good about myself or something of that nature? And so that is what self-righteousness is. It's not that when we think about self-righteous, we think that it has to be someone who like walks around, you know, with, with a smug look and like they're like self-righteous. There's some people that are like that. But you know what? There are people that you would call good people that are cool people, you know, that, and, and you know what? They're self-righteous too because they, they depend on their own righteousness, and what that creates, it creates a blindness. And so Jesus goes on in chapter 10, and he addresses the other spiritual sense. And so the first one is what? The first one is blindness. You don't see things from the right perspective. But the other spiritual sense that is affected, and this is in your outline, by self-righteousness, and that is our hearing. And so we go from the blindness that is there to now a deafness that is there. There's an issue, and, the, and, and people are not hearing. The same way they're not seeing is the same way that they're not hearing. They're not hearing the truth that is calling them to come. And so we live in a day where confusion is rampant, especially and sadly within the church. We get half-truths, we get mixed messages, and plain distortions of Scripture, and all in the name of the Bible thrown at us from all directions. And so right now, if you go home and you sit good, go down and go sit sit at home and go and flip on the TV and you turn on the Christian station and you know you're going to see tons of different messages that are coming at you and people are going to hopefully most of them are going to you know be standing behind a pulpit or something of that nature they're going to be reading from a Bible they're going to probably quote some scriptures and I promise you that you're going to hear all kinds of different messages you'll probably hear some people if you listen long enough that are going to disagree with the, with the way that I will communicate the truth of scripture and, you know you'll hear those kinds of things and I I want you to know I am not I am not infallible there is one that is infallible that's God Almighty amen that's the reason why we need to be in this word that's the reason why we need to be in the scriptures and the truth is that we we are living in that day and age where it is easy to communicate whatever truth you want to communicate or you can communicate half of a truth and make it seem like that is all of the truth and so we go through all of these different things that we hear all the time and then the problem is what is the truth like what really is the truth like, what is the right way? Like, how should I live? Like, that's a big question that we should, you know, I would say ask ourselves and, you know, be concerned with. And here, and, and the beauty of this is in your third paragraph is in, in this chapter that is Jesus' days were no different from ours. That's a beautiful thing. Because what happens is that it shows us that the Bible, nothing has changed. I mean, the, the book of Ecclesiastes says that there is nothing new under the sun. What's been, right, or what is, has been. And, what, and, and you know, what, what's going to be has already been. And so there's nothing new under the sun. The thing is this, is that Jesus' days are no different than ours. Why? Because men have and will always be sinful, influenced by a sinful nature and a wicked heart. And so what never, what never changes from the fall is that men are sinful by nature, is that they will always be influenced by their wicked heart, by their wicked desires. And so it causes men to be self-righteous. It causes men to be deaf. It causes men to be blind. But here is the beauty of this, is that Jesus lets us know that in the midst of all the voices, in the midst of all the messages, and all the confusion, as his sheep, we can know his voice as he is our hearing aid. 
We can know his voice, and that's the title of the message this morning is Hearing Aid. And I'm going to use that acronym to talk about three different things here. But Jesus is the one that enables us to know that, you know what, when you turn on the Christian station, I don't, I don't encourage you to do that, but anyway, if you, if you decide to do that because, you know, you want to, you know, if you, really, if you really are in God's word and you really are in prayer and in a relationship with the shepherd, what the shepherd will do is he will show you something, and that is what truth is and what is not truth. He will show you when you sit down and you read. I mean, I, I, try, to, I try to read books. I, I, I was talking with Minister Jamie, and my, my goal, I haven't gotten there yet. Y'all pray for me, but I want to get to the place where I consistently read two books a month. My biggest problem, this is what you can pray for. I'm going to give you specifics on this. What you can pray for me on is that I start reading one book, and I read like a chapter and a half, two chapters, and then I go and look at another book, read a chapter and a half, two chapters, and I go to another book and read a chapter, two chapters. If you look at my Kindle right now, you'll see all these books that I've got. i got bookmarks where I'm at in all different places, and so help you know, pray for me that I would just be disciplined just to read two at a time. Amen, somebody, right? And get through them. And so the thing is this, when you read books, what you're going to find is this, as you read, when you get through a whole book, you know what you're going to find inside of that book? Typically, you're going to find good stuff and not so good stuff. And you have to be mature enough and you have to know the voice of your Savior enough to be able to say, you know what, that's good, that's garbage. Because again, no one, let me say this very clearly, no matter how many degrees we have, no matter how many things we have up on our wall showing all of the um, uh, uh, things that we've accomplished, no matter how many schools we went to, no matter any of that, I want you to realize this, all men, including me, are fallible. In other words, we, we, none of us have all of the truth perfectly. Are you here? No, we're all growing in the truth. What is, what is important and what is imperative is that we have the essentials of the gospel correct. That's the foundation. It is that there is no other way to salvation but through Jesus Christ, that we are crystal clear of who Jesus is. This is the reason why we're talking about the real Jesus. You know, Brother Jose, he sent me a message on Facebook, and he's out there, and he's like, man, you know, I've been sharing the gospel with people. And he's like, man, it is, it is amazing to me how many people are just so deceived. And then he posted on Facebook. I wish I would have brought it out and put it up there. But it shows the biblical Jesus and then the Jesus that people have made up. And the truth of the matter is, is that although we don't have all of the truth perfect, none of us do, we can have the essentials down like, who is Jesus? Hello. Like, he is not the God that we create, which is one of the biggest problems in our world today, is that everybody wants the benefits of this great and loving God, but not anybody, not everybody wants to serve him the way that he requires. Not everybody wants to obey him the way that he calls us to obey. And we live in a day, listen, and I am a grace guy, meaning that I love to preach about the glorious grace of God and what God has done. And I firmly believe that it is when we understand the magnitude of who God is, when we understand the greatness of God's holiness, and when we understand the mercy that God shows us in Jesus, that is what changes us. Hands down, I believe that. But here's what I want you to know, is that just because God is a God of grace doesn't mean that God doesn't care how you live. Just because God wants you to be overwhelmed by his goodness, he doesn't want you to ignore the fact that he calls you to holy living. He calls us to that. And so what we need to do is we need to get a good picture, and that's the reason why we're going through the gospel of John, so that way we can come to understand who Jesus is better, so we can see what Jesus says about himself. We can see what the Bible communicates to us about Jesus. And so here's the big idea. I tried to give you one big idea. I'm going to say it. I'll say it one time, and then I repeat it again, but here it is, and, and, and the whole thing is this. Without God's assistance, we will never hear the only voice that matters. I'll say it again. Without God's assistance, we will never hear the only voice that matters. Without his assistance, we will never hear his voice, is, is what I'm saying. Without, his, without him opening up our ears, we will never hear his voice. With, without God's assistance, we will never hear the only voice that matters. And so the first thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this as we deal with this hearing aid, is the A here. Say this with me. Acknowledgement of who Jesus is proves, I'm sorry, I, I said that wrong. Acknowledgement, say it again. Acknowledgement of who Jesus proves himself to be marks us as his sheep. Acknowledgement of who Jesus proves himself to be marks us as his sheep. And so when we look at this chapter here, verses 1 through 21 is what we'll cover right now. We already read verses 1 through 10. But verses 1 through 21, they show us three things that Jesus declares about himself. He declares himself to be the door. He, de he declares himself to be the good shepherd. And he declares himself to be the Christ or the Son of God. 
And so this is important for us because the door, I am the door. Remember we talked about the I am statements? This is the third of the seven I am statements that Jesus makes, and it is that I am the door. And the second one is that I am the good shepherd. And so we look at this, Jesus communicates this, and we have to, as his sheep, we must acknowledge what? We must acknowledge that Jesus is who he says he is. As, as my brother Jose was sharing, you know, and he, and he came with me, the burden that he had in his heart was like, man, people have this distortion of who Jesus is. And listen, it is important for us to make sure that we proclaim and that we declare who the real Jesus is. Hello. And, and, and that we don't just communicate it from our feelings, from our emotions, from a place that we have, no, but that we communicate it from a scriptural and from a biblical place. And so, first of all, it may, it may appear confusing because Jesus is saying that he's the door and the shepherd at the same time. So how is that possible? And so when you study out the history of shepherds and the Near Eastern shepherds, some of them, what they would do is they would bring their sheep. And when he's talking here, he's saying he's talking about the sheep in the sheepfold. And so when you looked at a sheepfold in those times, it was something that had walls around it, but there was a place that was a point of entrance. And the point of entrance, typically there was a gate there, there was a gatekeeper and things like that. But a shepherd who was walking with a sheep would, all, would come to that place, and what would happen typically is the sheep would literally lay at the doorway to protect his sheep. In other words, no one was going to pass him by when, you know, when people were sleeping. That wasn't what the sheep was going to do. And so when Jesus is saying that I am the door, what he's saying is this. And when he's talking about this, he's talking about this entrance point. Jesus is the only true point of access to the covenant promise of salvation. Here's, here's what I want you to get. Look at verses 9 and 10. Look verses 9 and 10. Jesus says this. He says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. And so Jesus is communicating that he is the access point to what? He's the access point to salvation. Now remember, in those times, there was a chosen people of God, right? And we'll deal with that as we continue reading as Jesus talks. But there were the chosen people of God. They were the covenant. Say covenant. When you look at the Old Testament, you're looking at the Old Covenant. See, they were the people of God. And so we live in the New Testament. Say New Testament. So New Testament is New Covenant. Say New Covenant. And so I know you know some of this, but I just want you to put these things together. So under the Old Covenant, the way that you came to God, at that point, it wasn't through Jesus. It was through what? It was through Judaism. And so you had to be converted. You had to come and become Jewish. And so Jesus is talking about that sheepfold. But what he's saying is that he is the access point to the covenant of God. And so anyone who comes to Jesus is what? They are going to be saved if they come through him and they can enter into this place of salvation. But then you go on in verse 10, verse 10, with this is a familiar verse for most of us, and it says here, the thief, say the thief. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. And so this is a triadactic statement, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. The reason why that is utilized is because, believe it or not, mentally we think in like threes. And God just created us that way. Why? Because he's a triune God. And it seems like we can drive a point home. Like these three things, like they, they come to life with us. And we'll remember that. And so Jesus is saying, this, the thief, it doesn't say the enemy. And I need, to, I need to say that because I heard people quote that scripture. And I probably quoted a million times and said the enemy comes, but it's not the enemy. It is the thief. There's a different word there. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And the reason why Jesus drives that home, and Paul uses it later on, you know, the tridactic statements like that, is to point out even, it is either to point out something really good or to point out something really bad. And so he's making a point that the enemy has no, or the thief has no good intention for you or for me. Are you here? And the ones that he's saying are the thief, he said, anyone who came before him, he obviously wasn't talking about the prophets of old. He's talking about who? The people from chapter 9, the religious leaders who are trying to deny Jesus. He's saying those people are thieves. Hello, somebody. Talk about a clear rebuke. Those people are the thieves. Those are the ones who are trying to steal, who are trying to kill, who are trying to destroy. They don't want you to have life and life abundantly. They want you to experience less than what God has for you. Isn't that crazy? Because these religious people, and it's, it's the same thing today, because there are people that will make it seem like they want you to have everything, but they don't. They just want you to follow their religion. Are you here? 
But Jesus says, but I came that they may have life and that they may have life abundantly. Now, here's what I want you to understand about this life and life abundantly thing. And this really, like, like when I say plagued me, I, I mean it in, in, in a way like I was, stu- I mean, I studied, I read every single commentary that I could find to try to really grasp this concept. And, and, and the one thing that I understood is that we so distort the scripture. If you don't get anything else that I say throughout the rest of the, however long I'm going to talk, I have no idea how long it's going to be. But if you don't get anything else, Throughout all of the time that I'm speaking today, you need to get this. When Jesus is talking about abundant life, he's not talking about abundant things. When Jesus is talking about abundant life, he is not talking about abundant things. He is talking about what? He is talking, essence, that's what he's talking about. He said, I came to give you zoe, right? I came to give you the essence. When you look at, you know, plants, they have life in them, right? There's something that is living in them. But what has happened is we want to believe this prosperity. I'm not even going to call it gospel garbage. Hello. I know some of y'all just got offended. Don't, Don't get offended. Just believe the truth. Be set free. That's what Jesus came to do. We believe this prosperity garbage. And we believe that, oh, well, Jesus came to give me life and life abundantly. Wait a second, he did. He came to give you essence and essence abundantly. He didn't come to give you every single thing that you want. Hello, somebody. And look, I'm going to tell you right now, there are some people that are going to be rich. There are some people that are going to have lots of money, and there are many more that are not. Did you hear what I just said? Y'all didn't hear me. I said there are some people that are going to be rich and they're going to have lots of money and there are many more. Did you hear that? Many more that are not. It doesn't mean that they're going to be broke. I didn't say broke. See, that's what you heard wrong. See, here's the thing. I didn't say that they're going to be broke, but what I'm saying is everybody's running after riches. Everybody wants to be rich. Everybody wants to have all that money and have all of these things, right? I have this abundant life, and God is saying your life is not consistent. It doesn't consist in all the things you have. It's the life that you have. It's the essence that you have. It is something that is deeper. It is, the, it is something that when you don't have anything, you have everything, because the truth is you can have everything and have nothing. And so what happens for us, I mean, come on, man, we see this all the time. There's nothing new. I mean, how many, you know, how many people are out there with all the money in the world, every car they could have ever wanted, every outfit they could have ever wanted, and ones that they don't want? Hello. I mean, they have everything, and they're doing what? They're doing all kind of drugs because all the things they have have not given them the abundant life that Jesus came to give. Let me put it to you like this. This religious and, and, and these, this, this, this garbage, this prosperity garbage, you know what it does? It causes us to think that we're going to get stuff, but you know what? It just comes to steal, it just comes to kill, and it just comes to destroy because we have run after, I posted this the other day, man, any gospel that promises you everything your flesh desires is false. Are you hearing me? <laughs> Any gospel that promise you that you're just going to feel good all the time, that everything is going to go be, that, that, listen, there is no chance of sickness in your life, it is a lie. It's a lie. It is not true. And so Jesus comes and he wants us to hear his voice. He wants us to know, listen, I came to give you life and life abundantly. I didn't come to give you a bunch of things. Because the problem is when we get a bunch of things, then those things start to take our heart and they take his place. But when he gives us life, things don't have us. We have things and we use them for his glory and his honor. We don't worship them. Mm-hmm. Glory to God. As the good shepherd, praise the Lord Jesus. As the good shepherd, let's look at verses 11 and then we'll, we'll start off here. He goes on and says, from I am the door, he goes on to say that I am the good shepherd. He said, the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And, and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. He says, I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Look what he says here in verse 16. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold. Remember what I said? Old covenant, right? 
So that's the old covenant. There's sheep that are not of this fold. Them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock. Say one flock. Notice he said one flock, not one fold. Listen, this is important for you to understand this. God is not trying to convert you to become a Jew. He wants you to be a believer in Jesus and a follower of his, a disciple. Are you getting this? He doesn't want you to come and, and, and come from, you know, one place and say, well, now i got to become Jewish in order to please Jesus. Listen, and no disrespect for my Messianic Jewish brothers and sisters who I love dearly, but the truth of the matter is Jesus said, I have other sheep that are not of this fold, and we are going to make one flock, not, a, not one fold. It's different. Remember, the fold is inside of the sheep pen, right? That's where the fold is. He didn't say that I'm going to bring them into the fold. He said I'm going to make them part of the flock. Hello? There's going to be one flock, and then he says that, 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 that he is going to be one shepherd. So one flock and one shepherd, verse 17 says, Therefore my father loves me because I laid down my life that I may take it again. There he goes, talking about resurrection. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my father. Therefore, there was a division again among the Jews because of these sayings. And many of them said, he has a demon and is mad. Why do you listen to him? Others said, they are not the, these are not the words of one who has a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? And so when we look at the good shepherd, I want to run down everything that we just read, that we just read through. So in verses 11 and 15, we have this. And, I want, and notice this. He says that he lays down his life, right? He's laying down his life. So what is he talking about? He's talking about the gospel. He's, he's, he's presenting the fact that he is going to die. Here's what I want you to get out of this point. Under the old covenant, sheep died for the shepherd. Under the new covenant, the shepherd dies for the sheep. In the old covenant, the shepherds of the old covenant, they needed someone to cleanse them. Hallelujah. In the new covenant, Jesus is not waiting for me to die to make him more holy. Hello, somebody. Jesus died to make me holy. That's what he does. He lays his life down for the sheep. He shows what? He shows that no sheep can save itself. He shows us what we hear weekly when we talk, when we speak through the gospel, that we are born into sin. We are sinful by nature. We are sinful by our decisions. We are sinful by our pro proclivities and our desires. We are sinful by, by, by everything inside of us. We don't, we're not just born into sin sin we desire sin and so therefore we sin against God continually and what the Bible says is that sin separates us from God and it's not like you know God is over there and we're over here it's not just that kind of separation there was an eternal chasm there was an eternal separation between you and God when you are not in a relationship with him and you want to know what happens if you die separated from him you go to hell and you spend eternity there that is a bad thing but that's the reality and as we talked about earlier, none of us is good, and so none of us makes it because of some good thing we did. We can't outgive our bad stuff. We can't outdo our bad stuff by being good. That just doesn't happen. We don't, you know, balance the scales, you know, because we started doing good stuff one day. No, Jesus died. He laid his life down for the sheep, and so what? So that way we would not have to suffer separation from God, but that we could be reconciled or brought back into a relationship with God. He wants to give us abundant life now while we are here here in this earth and that way we can do what we can spend eternity with him but he doesn't just give us eternal life but he also gives us a new nature he gives us a new heart he gives us a new name he does something called justification that's what he does and he calls us righteous because of who he is so that's what the good shepherd does the good shepherd says if you put your faith in me if you come through the doorway hello somebody if you come through the doorway, then you receive salvation. If you trust in me, you receive salvation. You turn from your sin, you receive salvation. You put your, you listen, you give me your life. That's what he says. He didn't say, say a prayer and you're saved. That isn't what he said. I'm sorry. Listen, I, I, know, I know some of us, you know, we think back to a day that we said a prayer. I, want, I, hate, to, I hate to say this because I don't want to sound like, you know, your prayer didn't matter. But I want you to know the prayer you prayed isn't what saved you. Are you hearing me? It's the, it's the sincerity of your heart before God. It's your faith in him. That's what made the change. Listen, I was a youth pastor for three years. You know how many people said prayer after prayer after prayer, week after week after week? Listen, I'm friends with some of the youth that I, that I used to pastor when I was a youth pastor with them on Facebook. And I'm going to tell you something. Those prayers didn't take. I'm just saying. 
Something happened. Something was wrong. He didn't say visit an altar. I have nothing. Listen, I have no issue with altar calls except when you put all of your money on an altar call. That's not, listen, that is not what saves you. The Bible talks about what? It talks about G, G, John the Baptist is preaching, and these Pharisees come out there, and he's like, man, who warned you about the wrath to come? What does he tell them? He says, prayer, prayer. Is that what he said? No? What did he say? He said, bear fruit worthy of repentance. Can I tell you how we measure salvation, church? We don't measure salvation by the tears that drop during a moment. We measure salvation by the fruit that is born in the life over time. I don't say anybody's not saved. I don't say anybody is saved because at the end of the day, I'm not the judge. But here's what I want you to know. When I look at my life, the Bible tells me to examine myself. And when I examine myself, it's not just about what I believe in my brain. It's about how does my life look in comparison to who? To the one who died for me. I got a long way to go, but I can tell you this much. I'm on the way. Hello? I'm just telling you. Second thing he shows us in verses 12 through 13, and that was verses 11 through 15, by the way. Under the old covenant, the shepherd, the sheep, the sheep died for the shepherd. Under the new covenant, the shepherd dies for the sheep, offers them eternal life. Second thing is, verses 12 through 13, he protects us against all opposition and keeps us. So what does that mean for us? That means that we can be secure, that he will never, ever, hear me when I say this, leave us nor forsake us. When the wolf comes, Jesus doesn't bounce. Hello. When the enemy comes, Jesus doesn't leave and say, okay, let's see how you fend for yourself. That isn't what happens. He's a good shepherd. He promises to be with you. Listen, for the young people that are in school, when you're going through hardship in school, can I tell you something? Jesus is with you in the midst of that hardship. It is up to you to trust him. For us, when we're going through hardship at work, listen, when the wolf is coming, he says what? He does not flee. Everyone else may flee, but he will not. He promises to be there with us. That's, that, that, that's a good thing that we know that we have a good shepherd that says, look, I am there with you even in the midst of it all. When everyone else abandons you, I'm not going to abandon you. The third thing he shows us here in verse 14 is he knows us and we can know him. We, I said this earlier, Jesus died to reconcile us to the Father. The fifth thing here, or the, or the fourth thing, I'm sorry, that was the third thing. The fourth thing is he committed, he is committed to bringing others to saving faith. Verse 16, he says, we talked about the sheep that, that are not of this fold, right? And so what does that mean for us in verse 16? That means that we must be on mission with him. Listen, Jesus is always concerned about bringing people to salvation. And listen, last week as, 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 as Minister Jeremy was preaching, he talked about one thing. He said, who are you sharing Christ with, right? And he made, a, he made a comment that he was talking about people on a corner with a bullhorn. And then Pastor Chad came up and he corrected the situation. Can I tell you something? I want us to be crystal clear in the scriptures. There are many different ways in the scriptures where we see people being evangelized. Can I tell you what is the one thing that is consistent with them all? Let me tell you what the one thing is that is consistent with them all is that you have to use words to evangelize people are you hearing me some evangelistic situations, if you look at your Bible, I'll just give you two really quickly that come, that come to me off the top of my head. There was a guy that was, that, that, there was an Ethiopian, right? There, and, and he was in a cart. And, and there was a dude by the name of Andrew. And if I remember correctly, the scripture says that the Spirit of the Lord told Andrew to catch the cart. And so it was a one-on-one -on -one situation. The Holy Spirit led him to go and have a conversation. He leads the guy to Jesus. He has a conversation. Notice the word. He's having a conversation with the guy about Jesus. He is led by the Spirit. He brings him to faith in Christ. Well, actually, Christ brings him to faith. The guy is baptized, and, you know, Andrew is taken away to Azotus, right? So that's one example of it. Then you fast forward a little bit, and there's a guy by the name of Paul, you know, who was Saul at one point, and he's in, the, and he's in this place called Mars Hill in Athens, right? And he is preaching. He's doing what we would call open-air preaching, right? He is there. But you want to know what the whole thing is? The whole thing is that he was doing it, what? He was doing it in the context of that culture. That's what he did. And so what I'm saying is one person shouldn't bust on one person because of how how they choose to do evangelism or someone else. Here is the thing. We should all be doing evangelism for the right reason. 
Are you hearing me? And we should be doing it the right way. We don't do it because I got to get a notch on my belt because I have to say, hey, man, I preached to someone this week. That isn't the purpose. If that is the reason why you communicate the gospel, that is the wrong motivation. Listen, I, I love it. You know, when, 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 we're, when we're in prayer this morning and, 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 and Ricky, he began to pray and he began to, you know, ask God to burden our hearts for those closest to us that don't know Jesus. Listen, there's a reason for that because it is not until our hearts are burdened for those who don't know Jesus. It is not until, get this, until we really believe the bad news of the gospel that we understand the urgency to share the good news of the gospel. You see, until I understand that hell is real, until I understand that people are going to suffer eternally, until I understand that that is a reality, until that grips my heart, you know what I'm not going to do? I'm not going to care about the person that I'm walking by, you know, working by, living by. I'm not going to care about that person to the point that I'm willing to be embarrassed for my faith. But for most of us, the reason why we don't share the gospel is just because we're embarrassed. Are you here? And so we have to be on mission with Jesus because Jesus is all about bringing those sheep into the kingdom. See, for us as church folks, we get really, you know, happy inside the fold. We get real comfortable, right? We have our seats. You know, y'all have assigned seats. I know you do. No matter how much I preach against it, y'all just seem to fall into those same seats all the time. You arrive at certain times because you know you're going to get your seat. Hello. Just saying. Keep it real, right? It's all right. But the point is, look, man. It's not about your seat. It's not about your comfort. I've said this before. It's not about you. God has saved us, and he brought us in so we can do what? So we can share him with the rest of the world. Amen. Verse 17 through 18, he shows us this. Not only does the good shepherd die, but he will resurrect. Can someone say amen to that? We know he is almighty God by the glorious resurrection. See, the reason why I have boldness to preach this word, the reason why you have boldness to share the gospel, the reason why you are assured of your faith is because your Savior rose from the dead. And that was, that was a praise opportunity right there, not because I'm preaching, but because that is a true statement. Your Savior, my Savior, rose from the dead. He didn't look. He, he was beaten, absolutely. He, he experienced suffering, absolutely. But he rose, and that gives us the courage. That gives us the boldness. That gives us the right. That is the mandate upon our lives to go out there and share him with this world that desperately needs him. Amen? We see toward the end of the chapter in the verses 19 to 21, there will always be confusion and opposition with regards to Jesus. But hear me, as his sheep, we must acknowledge, say acknowledge, we must acknowledge that Jesus is God the Son, he is the Savior, and that the gospel is God's power unto salvation for all who believe. We have to be the ones that acknowledge that. The second thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say intentional obedience to Jesus marks us as his sheep. Intentional obedience to Jesus marks us as his sheep. So the first part of the hearing aid is acknowledgement, acknowledging who Jesus is. The second part is intentional obedience. And listen, I didn't just put intentional because I couldn't spell aid with an O. It wasn't because of that. It is because we talk about obedience all the time, right? And, and here's the thing. It's not just about, you know, um, you know, nominal or whenever I can obedience. It is about intentional obedience, it is about me seeking what makes God happy. I'm going to give you an example. It doesn't have to do with making God happy. It has to do with, you know, pleasing the most amazing woman in my life, which is my wife. And at the time, she was not my wife. She was the one that I was pursuing with all of my abilities. Hello, somebody. And we were at a point, and, and we, we were, I, I didn't know where this was going to go. I was hoping it was going to go to where we are. Glory to God. Almost 18 years later, this month will be 18 years. Glory to Jesus. <laughs> So I won, glory to Jesus. But at that time, I didn't know, and I said, listen, I just want you to let me do, do, do me one favor. Let me take you out one more time. It was her 24th birthday, right, 24th birthday? And I said, to be sure, it's been, it's been 18 years, man. Come on now. 24th birthday, I said, I want to take you out one, 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 one more time and then, you know, give you space, whatever the case is. I said, okay, fine. And if she tells a story, she's so mean. I'm just kidding. She's not mean. She was mean at that time, and she was like, I was like, fine, just take me out so that way you can leave me alone. I mean, that's, that's really how it was. I was like, okay. 
And one of the, see, I'm a guy, if you don't know this by now, I ask a lot of questions, right? And to the one that I was going to marry, I needed to know everything about you, right? So we would sit down, and I was question after question after question after question. But I wasn't just asking questions. I was listening, right? I was paying attention. And I remember in one of our conversations, she told me that she had always wanted to go horseback riding. And so I said, I'm going to take her out. I have this date plan. I'm taking her horseback riding. It was funny because, you know, to go horseback riding, you got to go, like, way out in the sticks somewhere, right? And so I think I was driving out to, like, Christmas or something like that. And I know I'm, and I'm, I know she's, you know, she could have been thinking. I don't know what she was thinking. She could have been thinking, man, where's this guy taking me? He's going to kill me somewhere because I'm, like, driving out here. But anyway, I take her out to go horseback riding, and that was really, you know, the thing that sealed the deal because after that day, she was like, okay, Lord, this guy listens, right? Guys. Guys, hear me when I say this. I know that we don't like to do Listen. <laughs> Pay attention, right? Because, God, listen, we, we, are, we are known, sadly, for not listening, right? Like, because we're so zoned out on sports, right? We're so zoned out on something else that we're thinking about. And now we have iPhones, iPads, Kindles. We have all of these different electronic devices, and we're forever nodding. My daughter, the other day, I was driving, and, and I, I, I was sitting at a light, and so I was looking at my phone at the light. Hello, somebody. <laughs> so I'm looking down at my phone at the light, and my daughter's telling me something. And then she was like, she's like, and I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she was like, Dad, are you listening? And so I repeated everything back to her exactly as you just said. I said, listen, girl, if I said, uh-huh, I'm listening. Hello. Right? She said, I was just testing you. Don't test me. Don't test me. I'm just... But gentlemen, listen. The point was, I listened to what my wife said. I did something that pleased her. I found out what she wanted. And I intentionally did something, and she went home and she prayed, God, you know, this guy listens, and so if he's the one, then put love in my heart, and 18 years later, glory to God, she loves me. There has to be intentionality in our relationship with Jesus. And I thought Jordan, she asked a really good question. For those of you that weren't able to make it on Friday night, she was asking, she asked Minister Jamie, she said, as you preach, are you going to be more informational or are you going to be more like application? And so, you know, I love Minister Jamie's response because as a preacher myself, he said, well, I think good preaching requires both. You have to preach, which is that calling to application, calling to obedience, calling to do something, and you have to teach. You have to give the truth of what the scriptures is. And I, and I would applaud that. And I was like, you know, that was actually my thought when, he, when, when she said that. And so, my point is this, for many of us in the church, right, we want to hear what we want to apply, but we don't want to hear what God wants us to apply. That's the problem. The issue with us in the church is that we want someone to tell us, you know, what, and what, what to apply in our lives, but when God is telling us, hey, I'm calling you to prayer, you don't want to hear that. You want to hear some other solution. There is no other solution. Hello. If we would just say, stop it, if we would just say, if we would just say, okay, God, this is what you are communicating to me, if we, I promise you, we would, we would be able to see much more fruit in our lives if we would hear what God is communicating. Like, for example, today, what, what is the first application point? Well, the first application point is acknowledging Jesus for who he is, not just to him, but in this world that you live in. Hello, that's the first application point. But is there another way? No, there is no other way. It is by us obeying God. It is by us listening to what God is communicating to us. And intentional obedience requires that. And so if you look at these verses here, you don't, you don't know this, but I didn't know this either. But as I'm reading it, it looks like the conversation goes from, I came to give you life and life more abundantly to, I am the good shepherd. But the reality is this actually happens like two or three months later. For whatever reason, the, 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 the ones who put the chapters and verses, and if you have a Bible that has headings, they didn't choose to make that separation. But what happens here, this, this part of the conversation happens two to three months later, and it's during the time called the Feast of Dedications for, for those of us that know this by Hanukkah. And so it was the time of Hanukkah. It was a specific celebration for the Jews. And so the conversation, the reason why the conversation is put together is because it still contains the sheep-shepherd analogy. And Jesus makes the clearest of all declarations of who he is and reminds them that his works are enough for them to believe. So let's look at verses 22. I'm sorry, verse 22 is where, where, we have, where we have this heading. I looked at the wrong part there. I was looking at verse 12. But it's in verse 22 that I meant to say that. So it says this here. It says now in verse 22, it says, Now it was the feast of dedication in Jerusalem, and it was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then the Jews surrounded him and said to him, how long, how long do you keep us in doubt? 
If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Verse 25 says, now look at this. Jesus answered them, I told you, pause for a moment. I told you. In other words, all this time for the last two and a half years, guess what? I've been telling you this. I'm not keeping you in suspense. I've let you know this. I've made this clear to you. I have over and over and over again, and for us in the last nine chapters, I have clearly communicated this to you. It's kind of like that person that comes to you and is like, hey, man, can you explain to me again? Really? Seriously? Seriously? Are you, are you kidding me? Are you joking? Really? I just went through this. Like, you know, I, I always have this. I, I'm, you know, I'm, I sit down and I send emails out to the leaders. And I won't mention anyone in particular, like, you know, Vanessa, um, who, who she's always the one that gets me. She gets me really good because I, I, I was literally sit down and read an email like three or four times before I send it out because I'm like, did I say the time? Did I say location? Did I say duration? Did I, I mean, I go through all the Asians, right? I'm like, did I do everything that needs to be said in this email? And I'm like, yes, I got it. And then, you know, someone, it's not always Vanessa, sometimes it is, but, you know, they'll send me back an email. Um, what about this? And I'm like, are you serious? Seriously? I'm like, how could I miss that, right? I'm like, what, you know, what's wrong with me? But the point is, right, I, I, I go through lengths. But again, I am not infallible. Only Jesus is. Amen, somebody? Right? So I miss stuff, right? They catch it. I'm like, what? And then I read it. I'm like, I can't believe I missed that. And then I'm like, hey, everybody, I'm sorry. I forgot, you know, this particular thing. With Jesus, not the case. Jesus is like, look, I've been telling you. And so look, look, look what he says here. He says, verse 25, he says, I told you and you do not believe. See, that was the issue. It wasn't the information. It was the application. It wasn't that they hadn't heard from Jesus. It's that they didn't want to believe what Jesus was saying. They thought there was another Messiah coming. They thought that there was something that he was doing that was incorrect. And then look what he says. He says, the works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. And so not only have I been telling you this, but the works are communicating this. Verse 26, but you do not believe because you are not of my sheep as I said to you. Verse 27, it's where we'll end this part here. My sheep hear my voice. Voice, right? So they hear what Jesus is saying. I know them. There's relationship between them. And they follow me. Now I just want to say something really quickly here. Because Jesus makes a statement that only Jesus, say only Jesus, has a right to make. And he says, you are not my sheep. Nobody else on planet earth has ever or will ever have the right to say they're not sheep. No one. As a matter of fact, Paul, and you can write this down, 1 Timothy chapter 1, I believe it's around verse 16-ish. I can't tell you for certain, for certain, but you read chapter 1. It'll be a good exercise for you. Read the whole chapter, and you're going to find <clears throat> that's where the, where the apostle Paul, he uses the, the great statement that many of us know that he, was, that he says that, um, he says, this is a faithful saying that God came to save sinners of whom I am the chief. But then the next verse goes on, and what he communicates is he says, and God does this, and, he, and, and I'm paraphrasing here. He said, God does this to show his mercy upon those who are going to believe. If you would have looked at Paul when he was persecuting the church, you know what you would have said in your judgmental mind, what I would have said in my judgmental mind? That dude ain't a sheep. That dude is a goat. He's a wolf. He's something else, but he's not a sheep. The point is, God shows his mercy, and he's like, this guy was going to believe. And so why do I say this? Because we try to figure stuff out. You know, we hear these words that get thrown around, and I think that they're thrown around in the wrong way sometimes, you know, talking about elect and predestined. And we, we have all these words that go around, and then we're trying to figure out things that we don't even need to figure out. Hello? You know what we need to be concerned about? We need to be concerned with sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ faithfully. Because we don't know who is. And I'll tell you what, the only way that we know is because we said yes. Hello. That's how we know. And so what we have here is Jesus says that these people are not his sheep, but he goes on to say that his sheep hear his voice and they obey him. And so intentional obedience, get this, intentional obedience is one of the clearest marks of true faith. When a person has been changed by the indicatives of the gospel, I've used that word before, the indicatives, it's what Jesus did. When we become overwhelmed by the reality that God in his greatness, that God in his mercy, that he, that he came and he died for us, he did for us what we could never do for ourselves. When we come to understand the magnitude of God's love. Listen, that should be the motivation of everything that we do for Jesus. Anything that we do in the name of the Lord, it shouldn't be 
a paycheck. It shouldn't be the accolades. It shouldn't be the acknowledgement. It shouldn't be just because I like to do that or I don't like to. The motivation is what Jesus did. And here's the deal. When we're overwhelmed by the indicatives of the gospel, what should happen is the fruit of that is that we begin to obey the imperatives of the gospel. Like I said earlier, God doesn't just tell us how amazing he is and how glorious his grace is and leaves us without, you know, the ability. As a matter of fact, in a couple of weeks, I just let y'all know this, in a few weeks, um, Dr. Pete, he asked me to be uh, to speak at Key Life, and he's going to let me speak on the book of Nehemiah. And so he's going through the series in the book of Nehemiah, and I think I'm, I'm, I'm speaking on chapter 8. And in, the, in, in chapter 8, he talks about the law, the reading of the law, the reading of the law, the reading of the law. And as I'm reading that chapter and preparing to teach through it, I, I understood something, that we are supposed to be men, and for the ladies in the room, and women of the book. We are supposed to be men of God's law. We should be men that look at the law of God not as a curse, but as something that gives us direction as to what God requires of us. And as those who want to intentionally obey, then we obey him because he is God. And, 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 and Jesus, as the good shepherd, does, has done all the heavy lifting. Listen to me. He lived perfectly, he died painfully, and he rose victoriously for us so that we, we would desire to follow him. Jesus already did everything that needs to be done. He did it. I can't add to it. I can't take away from it. But what I can do is I can say, man, I'm overwhelmed by what he did, and I want to follow him. Intentional obedience comes out of that. The third thing I'll ask you to repeat is this. Say, dependent faith is in Jesus marks us as sheep. <clears throat> dependent faith in Jesus marks us as sheep. Dependent faith in Jesus marks us as sheep. Look at verses 28 to verses 42, and we'll wrap up this chapter. <clears throat> He says, and I give them eternal life. Notice he said they don't earn, earn eternal life. He said, I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. Is that not a glorious promise? Are you hearing what Jesus is saying? Let's, let's read it from verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. I just want you to let that sink in for a moment. Just, just, I really want you to let that sink in for you to understand the security that you have in the hands of your Savior. I want you to realize that there is no one, the thief that comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. He cannot snatch you out of the Savior's hands. He cannot snatch you out of the Father's hand. There is security in that. We're supposed to be secure in our Savior. Our lives are supposed to be secure in who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. And so we go on and we continue reading. And on verse 31, it says, Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, many good works have I shown you from my father. For which one of these works do you stone me? See, sarcasm is okay once in a while. I'm just saying, you know, like Jesus is like, well, I've done a lot of good stuff. So like, which one are you, you know? Just don't be sarcastic all the time, right? Like, well, I'm being sarcastic. Jesus was sarcastic. No, that, that. Contextualize, contextualize. Hello. Are you about to be stoned? Like, you know, those, there, there's moments for that, right? Mm-hmm. Like Bishop said Jesus was sarcastic. I did not say that you should just be a, all right, let's move on. The Jews answered him saying, for a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy. And because you being a man make yourself God. Jesus answered them, is it not written in your law? I said you are God's. This is another scripture that's, mis, that's mis, mis, mishandled here. And I'll, I'll touch on it. I ain't got time to get into it really deep. But he said, if he called them gods to whom the scriptures, who, to whom the word of God came and the scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the father sanctified and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said I am the son of God? If I do not do the works of my father, do not believe me. But if I do, though you do not believe me, believe the works that you... That, 
believe the works that you may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. Therefore, they sought again to seize him, but he escaped out of their hands. Verse 40 says, and he went away again beyond the Jordan to the place where John was baptizing at first, and there he stayed. Then many came to him and said, John performed no sign, but all the things that John spoke about this man were true, and many believed in him there. Amen. And so first of all, I want to say that when Jesus is quoting this scripture here, before I get into all these other points, because this is an aside from the whole, the, the whole thing of hearing aid, Jesus is not saying that we are little gods. Hello, somebody. That isn't what he was communicating in the book of Psalms either. He was simply, what he was doing was he was making a comparison. God is making a comparison to what? To the judges of the earth as being those in authority. That's what he was saying. And Jesus says, hey, man, God referred to them as gods, right, as those in authority. He said, and so why are you, you know, busting my chops? Why are you coming at me and, and saying that I can't say that I'm the son of God? But then he goes on to say something that's important. For anybody that's going to say that they are little God, listen, I hope you're doing the same works Jesus was doing. I'm just saying. It's not just a title. Like Jesus is like, look, and I'm going to tell you what. I am the son of God, and the works that I do, they testify. And so what Jesus communicates here is dependent, we need to have dependent faith. And so we need to acknowledge him. We need to have uh, um, intentional obedience. And we need to have dependent faith in Jesus, right, to mark us. Jesus makes it abundantly clear that he and the Father are one and that we are kept by the grace of God, not our own strength. Here's the deal. Our faith is dependent upon the grace of God and must reflect that. Are you here? You see, my confidence your confidence should not be in how well you did this week. It should be in how amazing Jesus did on the cross. It should be on the power of the resurrection. I, listen, there are some weeks that, man, I pray every single day exactly the amount of time that I want to pray. There are some weeks that I read exactly the amount of scriptures I want to read. And there are some weeks that I get through a whole book. Hello, somebody. And can I tell you something? There was a time in my life that I would feel like, man, I'm, a, I'm an amazing Christian right now. I'm firing on all cylinders, man. I mean, I'm, I'm talking about like I am hitting it. But I've come to understand, man, I'm not an amazing Christian because of anything that I do. I'm a Christian only because of what Jesus did. My dependence in the end is not going to be, you know, I, and I'm going to use Dawn as an example. I hope you don't get upset with me. But, they, but one, one day a long time ago, Dawn was in an interview. i never forget this because this was so funny. I was sitting there. And when you're in an interview, right, like, you okay? You, 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 you okay if I use it? <laughs> Listen, check this out. When you're in an interview, how many of y'all get nervous when you're in an interview? Right? You're in front of people. They're asking you questions, right? And so they asked her a question like, you know, I, I think it was something to the effect of, you know, when you stand before the Lord, you know, why, why, why should he let you in? It was something like that. And Dawn was like, she started going through the list of all the good things she did. And the guy was like, what about Jesus? Now listen, what she was doing is she was trying to say, hey man, I'm a fruitful Christian, amen, right? That's what she was doing, like most people would. The point was, when she stands before Jesus, it's not about all of that stuff, right? It's not. It's about what Jesus did when I stand before Jesus. And so what I know is this, is that I'm, look, I'm the same way. There are some weeks that I'm like, man, I'm terrible, man. I need deliverance. Like, I, I don't want to preach. You know, I mean, I'm just, I'm straight up. There's some weeks that are, that are worse than others. And I just, I'm like, man, God, I, 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 I know that I'm, I'm not good enough. It's like, there's some weeks that I know it. There's other weeks I'm like, hey, I might be. Just serious. I mean, some weeks I'm like, I know for sure I'm a heathen. There's no question about that. And there's other weeks I'm like, well, I might be a saint, you know. But you know what? Even in my heathen week, I'm still a saint, not because of me, but because of Jesus. And it does, when I say heathen week, okay, don't get it twisted. Like, I'm not practicing sin for a week. I'm like, okay, I'm just doing every sin I want to do, and then I'm That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying I was driving down the road. Someone cut me off, and I'm like, you know, man, I went from worship to not so much worship. I'm just, you know, just like situations like that. Like, I amaze myself sometimes because I'm in like the most holy moment, and then all of a sudden, like, I'm thinking, God, I got to repent because I don't want to do what I want to do. But the, what I, and I'm like, I feel like Romans chapter 7 happening right there at the moment. And, you know, I'm like sitting there, but and I, and I don't do it. Listen, I'm going to let y'all know I haven't cursed anyone out like ever in, in, after being a Christian on the road. I've never done that. I never flipped anyone off. None of that. I'm just using that as an example so you know. Not because I'm so holy. I just, I just haven't done that. The point is, doesn't mean I don't think it. 
It doesn't mean that it doesn't like, like I'm not like flesh go down, glory to God. I can tell you I've sped up and thought like what am I going to do when I get next to them? And then I'm like, <laughs> glory to God. I'm like, hallelujah, right? I'm just saying. That's what I mean. It's not like I'm, I'm not talking about practicing sin. You know, one of my friends on Facebook, you know, they were having a little stupid debate. I hate those, man. I, I'm, I'm going to get rid of Facebook. Anyway, I'm not going to. But the point is, you know, having it, you know, they, they're like, well, can a practicing, you know, not a practicing, they're like, well, can this person go to heaven? Can this person be a Christian? Can this person be a Christian? And, and I'm going to answer him, and I'm going to say, listen, to the, to the question, because this is the bottom line. To a person who is practicing sin, hear what I'm saying. You are not going to heaven. I don't care what sin it is. The book of Revelation gives a list, and you want to know what's in that list? Liars. I love using that one because nobody even thinks about telling lies. They're like, well, it was a lie, whatever. A little white lie. No. Listen, practicing sin is not a reflection of a life that's been changed by grace. It's not. Growing in grace means that I sin less. Doesn't mean that I stop sinning completely. Because none of us will ever come to the point of perfection until we meet Jesus. But listen, you better be on the way. And I'm hoping 18 years later, I'm a better husband than what I was before. Hello, somebody. I'm just talking about my natural marriage. Like when I, I went, the first time my wife got sick and we got married, I think I gave her a cup of orange juice and I was like, I'm going to play basketball. Can I tell you something? Oh, I'm sorry, and I threw in there, call your mom. I was holy, man. <laughs> Can I tell you something? 18 years later, that ain't how I treat my wife when she's sick. Can I get an amen, babe? Can I get an amen? Can I get an amen? Amen. See, can't, come on. That's not, there, there should be some growth, right? And so our lives should reflect that there is some growth in Jesus. So dependent faith, but nonetheless, my faith is dependent upon Christ. When someone comes to me and they ask me why, you know, I, you know, I'm confident in the Lord, it's not because I had a good week or a bad week or a bad day or a good moment. It's none of that stuff. It's because my Savior died on a cross and I trust his work is final. I trust his work is sufficient. I trust him as being able to continue and complete that good work which he began. Hello. I believe that. It's not until we understand our utter inability to save ourselves that we realize our desperate need for Jesus, and then we'll begin to live completely dependent upon him. The last thing I'll say on this is that Jesus' works testify to his worth and should inspire us to complete dependence upon his word. See, when we look at all of the works that Jesus did, we look at everything that Jesus accomplished. When we look at all of that stuff, it makes us dependent upon him. It gives us the ability to say, you know what? I can trust him over myself because of who he is and who he declares himself to be, not just in word, but in deed. Amen? And so my last question for you is this. Where do you need hearing aid? Maybe it's in your acknowledgement of who Jesus is. Maybe you're just not, you know, you don't, you don't acknowledge him personally. Maybe you haven't come to acknowledge him. Maybe you don't acknowledge him in public. Maybe you don't acknowledge him to the people around you. Maybe that's where the issue is. Maybe you're like an undercover Christian. Listen, we're, there's no one called to be an undercover Christian. Are you hearing me? Everyone is called to live for the glory and honor of Jesus before this world. Maybe your, your issue is that you are, you're, you're, you're not intentional in your obedience. Maybe, maybe that's where you need help. Maybe it's that, you know, you're trying to find other ways to do stuff, but you're not hearing what God is saying and obeying what God is saying. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's dependent faith. Maybe you are struggling to have a dependent faith. Maybe you are going, maybe that, God, I just need help in this particular area of my life. So my thing is this. I think that all of us at some point in our lives, we need help in different areas. I would say that. Some areas that I, you know, I recognize and acknowledge him as I should. There's some areas that I recognize that my faith wasn't so intentional. Other areas that I don't realize that, you know, my dependence and faith. I mean, there's so many things. And so at the end of the day, where is it that you need a hearing aid? And the beauty of it is that God's grace is sufficient. He wants to give you the grace to be able to trust him so that when you hear his voice as his sheep. Come on and stand your feet and let's pray. Father, thank you so very much today, Lord God. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your kindness. I thank you for my brothers and my sisters in this place. I thank you for them being here today. 
And I just pray for them, God. I pray that you would strengthen them, that you fill them. I pray that you would guide them and direct them, Lord God. And, and all of us as your sons and your daughters, as your sheep, Lord God, lead us that we may not hear the voice of strangers, my God, that we may not pay attention to the voice of false teachers, my God, that we would recognize the false teachings and that we would hear your truth and that we would obey your truth, that we would run to your truth, my God, and that we would surrender unto you, Lord, allowing your will to be manifested in our lives. Father, I pray for those that are having issues acknowledging you. Father God, give them grace and help them to see you and the wonder of who you are, Lord God. For those who are not intentional and their obedience, Lord God. Grant them repentant hearts, my God, that they would begin to hear what you're saying and that they would follow your will, Lord God, regardless of how uncomfortable it is. And Father God, lastly, for those that are struggling to depend on you in their faith, Father God, I pray that you strengthen them from this day forward, that they would know that you are the same God yesterday, the same God today, and the same God forevermore, and that you want to do great works in their lives, Lord God, and that you want them to trust you as being a trustworthy Savior and good God. And Lord, we pray these things believing, and we thank you for all of this, and we pray this in Jesus' good name. And everyone said, Amen. come on, give God a hand of praise. Amen.